Morning, good morning, and Merry Christmas to you. How lovely to have baby Finley here with us and the starring role. I'm glad they carried him so very carefully. Well, this Christmas, we've been thinking about this idea of Christmas loud. It is the time of year where we can be loud about Jesus. And a few days ago, we had a great evening. A number of us went carol singing, and we were beautifully loud in a number of different locations. And lots of people came out to listen. It was wonderful. And one of the carols that we sung was my favorite carol, Oh, Holy Night. It is a little bit tricky to sing, um, although Sylvia Palladino, I saw last night, she nailed it, I thought, a little bit better than us, but that's okay. Um, and so I think there's a few favorite lines that I have in that. And one of them is a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Because I think that there is much of our world that is weary and maybe is struggling to find hope. Maybe this morning you are weary coming here, not just because you had a two o'clock or three o'clock start, but because life is a bit tricky at the moment and it can be hard to find hope. I sat on my bed a couple of mornings ago and I was reading the passage that we're focusing on today that talks about Caesar Augustus um, having a census and Mary and Joseph having to travel down to Bethlehem and the angels appearing on the hillside. And as I was reading it, Phil was next to me in bed and he was listening to the radio and I am fairly deaf, so I don't know how quiet or loud it was, but I could just hear noise. I had no idea of what the sentences were, but every now and again, I would be able to pick out a word here and a word there. But I sort of got the sense of what it was talking about and it was actually discussing the situation in Gaza. And so I'm reading this story let me move over a bit so I can see that. There we are. So I'm reading this story. That night, there were shepherds, and I hear sorrow, staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. They're talking about pain. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them. Trauma is being spoken of, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, loss. They were terrified, grief, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, hopeless. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. Great joy to all the people. Today is rightly a day of great joy. It is for all people. Last week, uh, last week, my family and I were watching Ted Lasso. We enjoy watching that. But it reminded me, actually, of a phrase that is very common in English soccer. Maybe you've got a little bit more into English soccer this year with the fabulous Women's World Cup. Um, and the Matildas doing very well. I was very impressed with them. Not quite as good as the English Lionesses, of course. But you did all right. <laughs> But if you know soccer at all, you know that often those matches are like on a knife edge. You get your hope up, your team scores a goal, and you feel that we're going to win, we're going to win, and you have to wait many, many minutes, and not a lot is happening, but we're going to win, we're going to win. And then within with the last minute or two, the opposition can score two or whatever it is, or there's a penalty shootout, and your hopes are dashed. And so... 
the expression from Ted Lasso that is common in English soccer. It's the hope that kills you. And so you learn in soccer to lower your hopes and not have high expectations because it is the hope that kills you. I wonder what your year this year has been like. The Collins Dictionary last year declared their word of the year to be permacrisis, which means crisis after crisis. It is easy sometimes at the moment just to focus on the present, just to focus on our own little world around us, making sure that we are happy now, lowering our gazes, avoiding hope. But we can't avoid hope today because today we celebrate the rebirth of hope. I think that hope was first born when the world was created and the world was so, so good. It was full of life and possibility. But we know that it becomes a mess and there's chaos and violence and everything else. And we need hope desperately again. And so the most incredible thing happens. Hope gets loud at Christmas. And what happens is the very heavens and the earth, they come together and they join in that moment. And in an act that is so full of God lavishing us with love and goodness, the heavens and the earth meet and a baby is born in Bethlehem. And with this baby Jesus, we discover it's not the hope that kills you at all. It's actually hope that brings life, that brings goodness. All wrapped up in the form of this little baby born at Bethlehem, heaven and earth meet. And there is a promise made to us that God is with us now. And God is with us forever evermore, all wrapped up in this baby born in Bethlehem. I sometimes wonder whether Mary and Joseph ever needed a little bit of hope, because pregnancy goes for nine months on the whole, and Mary was told she was going to be pregnant a long time ago, and Joseph was told a long time ago, and they met Elizabeth a long time ago, and she's got bigger, probably more tired. I don't know when a young girl gets pregnant, whether they're quite as tired, but she would be tired, but I imagine they got planning, well, what should we do? Where shall we have the baby? Well, my mother's here, my aunts are there, we go there and have the baby, only to discover, no, you cannot be with your family, Mary, to have this baby. You've got to travel about 144 kilometers, walking most likely, which would have taken about four or five days to have your baby down in Bethlehem. So they would arrive there. And I like the clip because it shows you just the bustle of Bethlehem at that time. It was busy. A lot of people were having to return to Bethlehem. And so most likely, they would have actually moved into the downstairs area of a house where, because the family would have lived in the upstairs area. And at night, they would bring in their animals to keep warm and to shelter into that space. And so it's most likely that Mary and Joseph were invited into that space. And Mary would have gone into labor and the local women would have been called to help out. But I wonder whether in any of those moments, Mary or Joseph just paused momentarily, quite possibly not, I don't know, but whether they thought, hmm, it's not quite what I was expecting. I was told nine months ago that I was going to give birth to the Son of the Most High, that he would be the Messiah. I thought maybe it might be a little bit easier than this. 
I thought maybe, I don't know, I'd, I'd have somewhere a bit more comfortable to go into labor. I'd have my own family at least because I've told them the stories of who this baby is going to be. I wonder if it was what they were expecting. But God, in that moment, is so good. And he is at work revealing the deep significance. He is so loud and reveals to the shepherds the significance of that birth. Because on that hillside, not very far away at all from where that baby is born, heaven and earth meet Let's read it again. We've heard it a little bit, but it's always good to read this. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel from heaven of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, rightly so, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. A thrill of hope reverberates around the world. The shepherds rush off to find the baby and to find Mary and tell Mary about the extraordinary moment that they've just had where heaven and earth met and Mary treasures that in her heart. Well, how do we have hope? I was um, listening a little bit recently to a clinical psychologist called Lisa Aitken who has studied hope for 10 years and she has summarized 10 years of study beautifully into four things. Four things that people who have hope have. So if we have hope, these are the four things that we have. We have a mindset or a belief that the future has meaningful possibilities. We have the ability to wait well, poised and ready to act to bring about the hope if it's something within our control. And then either or with number two and three, the ability to trust in others who may be able to bring about our hope, whether that's doctors, politicians, God, having eyes to see glimpses of what we hope for, which helps us to keep hope alive. Mary, having grown up a Jewish girl in Roman-occupied Israel, would have had that collective hope that one day the Messiah will come. There are meaningful possibilities out there. And then, boy, oh boy, did those meaningful possibilities become so much more real when she is told by the angel that she is going to carry the Messiah, that she is going to carry that child. They wait, poised, ready, preparing for the birth. They trust in God who ordained all of this, who made it all happen. And Mary gathers all the glimpses of God and treasures them in her heart. Her hope is alive. Well, how about for us? What are the glimpses of hope that we see? Where is it that you get that sense of Christmas loud? I've asked a couple of people to share. So Rosetta, 
Tell us, where do you see hope? Where are the glimpses that you see? I see glimpses of hope when I meet people like Comely, who runs Mulberries in Laos, a charity new community supports. As we visited villages early this year, I saw God at work in Comely's passion and humility, her holistic care to raise families out of poverty, not just mulberry trees and silkworm farming, but in any way she can help them. God is at work through her in Laos. Thank you, Rosetta. Megan, where do you see hope? I see glimpses of hope when I pray with people and see them encounter God for themselves in the way that he um, brings a word of encouragement or a truth for that person and it transforms their life for good. Thank you, Megan. Leonie, where do you see hope? I see glimpses of hope for creation when I hear the story of God clearly showing Tony Ronaldo how to reforest land. I I visited Uganda in 2014 and saw the benefits of God's work through Tony in land reforested, the air cooler and the crops more productive. The people were so grateful. Hope is alive here. God is at work there. Thank you, Leone. When we are on the lookout, we can see glimpses of hope all around us. I am very fortunate in the job that I do. I love my job because I get to spend time and hear stories of you people from new community. And I see incredible glimpses of hope when I see God at work in you, causing generosity to well up, causing love and kindness and joy and transformation to well up in you. It is so wonderful. And I gather the glimpses of God at work and store them in my heart. I am so excited being deaf myself about this. What amazing glimpses of work we are going to offer to those people in India God is at work in Chris. God is at work in the Christian Medical College out there in Valor in India. And he will give those people glimpses of hope, beautiful, real hope through that, um, that hearing bus. God is good. And he is at work right now amidst chaos and mess and beauty and celebrations and everything else. And he will continue to be at work all the way through to restoration where there's a new heaven and a new earth. And he invites us to join with him. He invites us to help people see glimpses of him. Glimpses of his goodness and love so they themselves can find hope. Very soon we're going to be walking out of here. The bands are about to play a song. And when they do, can I encourage you? You're fine, Brian. We'll give you a moment. (laughs) I just happen to be looking at you at that moment. (laughs) Hope calling. Hope nice and loud. Very good. We're going to go out of here in a moment, but we're going to listen to a song first and a couple of other things. During the song, as it's playing, can I encourage you, just let your imagination think about all the places that you're going to go today as you go out and celebrate Christmas. And as you do that and you think about the people that you're going to meet or talk to on the phone or whatever it is, maybe be asking God, God, how can I hold hope for them? How can I share hope with them? How can I let them see glimpses, God, of who you are? 
and then be on the lookout for those moments as you go. See how you can join him. But if you're here this morning and hope is hard to find for yourself, as the music plays, can I encourage you to say to God, even if you've never spoken to him before, can I encourage you to say to God, God, will you please show me glimmers of who you are today? Will you please show me hope in who you are today? And then be on the lookout for it. Because God has got so many good, meaningful possibilities for you as we celebrate today Jesus and his birth on Christmas Day.